Are you struggling to free up time for client advisory work? Is scope creep hurting your fixed pricing model? Are your quality control processes lacking? Is your staff stuck in a never-ending monthly close process? Ever wish you had a genie that could help you out? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, SmartBooks Genie, later in the episode. Billions of dollars are going to people who don't necessarily need it. And a lot of people who really, really need the money are left out in the cold. And now we're being asked to spend another $250 billion to do what? And so I looked at the numbers. What will another $250 billion that you you and I are going to have to pay back someday, David? What is that going to get us? This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Accounting Suite. Accounting Suite is a cloud accounting software that acts like a customizable ERP system. It lets you start out with just the features you need today, and in the future as your business grows, you can easily add Accounting Suite extensions to give you the features you need. A major strength of Accounting Suite is its robust set of inventory management tools to track inventory levels, orders, sales, and deliveries from anywhere at any time. Accounting Suite has an extension for multi-channel online sales. After connecting your online marketplaces, Accounting Suite will download all your transactions for you to approve prior to entry into the accounting system. It's similar to working with bank feeds. Accounting Suite is offering Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners 50% off forever by using the promo code CAP underscore 50 underscore 2020. To take advantage of this exciting offer and to learn more about how Accounting Suite offers an upgradable path for your firm and company's future, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash ASuite. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash A-S-U-I-T-E. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by BQE Core. As firms everywhere are positioning themselves to work remotely, BQE Software is committed to supporting you and your employees during this critical time. BQE's core products operate 100% on a native cloud platform that's uniquely able to help you in your efforts to embrace remote work while maintaining your productivity. In response to the impact that COVID-19 has had on your firm and your clients' businesses, the team at BQE has let us know that Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners will now receive three months of BQE Core for free with an annual subscription package purchased on or before May 31st, 2020. To learn more, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash core. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-O-R-E. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, two weeks ago, we sat down hours after they opened up the PPP. And now we're here two weeks later and it's done. $349 billion is just gone. It's done. Exactly two weeks, right? Because it was April 3rd that it opened up. Yes. And it is April 17th in the afternoon. And the funds ran out yesterday morning, was it? As the day, yeah, it depends on how you counted because they had to back out the fees that the banks would take. Mm-hmm. So the the final numbers I can read that's from an SBA slide deck that came out this morning. The reported loans that got eTrans numbers; these are not people that applied for loans. So these are just people that the bank took the data, submitted to the SBA, and an eTrans number tracking number was issued. So that's one million six hundred sixty-two thousand three hundred sixty-seven. For a total loan amount of $342 billion. Wow. And if you back out the $10 billion in fees that uh, Marco Rubio reported on, it actually puts it to an, a negative 1%. 101% has now been allocated. So now uh, Republicans are calling for another $250 billion to be added to the program. 
and Democrats have some sort of conditions they want before the 250 gets released. So there's all this political bickering going on. Uh, but maybe I think there's a little more nuance here to this discussion than just let's add more money or before we add more money, we want to get more money for hospitals or, you know, like that, like let's actually talk about who this program has helped so far, what it has achieved. And, you know, maybe then we can debate whether or not it's worth it adding more money. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah. Cause I mean, we can just finish talking about some of the numbers that, you know, cause I think there's a big difference between the number of loans that were approved that everybody on Twitter, the politicians are high-fiving about versus the money that possibly only made it to people's bank accounts. Right. And that was part of the confusion. Like the first week of the program, I spent days and days trying to figure out how much of this money had actually been dispersed versus approved versus entered because the politicians were using dispersed in a lot of cases. And we knew for a fact that the money wasn't getting dispersed. So at this point, we know that all of it has been allocated right? It's all been claimed, but how much has actually gotten into small business bank accounts? So I'm tracking this on uh, pppstats.info. And there's another website that popped up that did really a survey of people that had their e-trans numbers. It's called covidloantracker.com. And they had 3%, then the number moved to 4%, then it was 5%. So 5% is the best we've seen so far. And so that's only $17 billion. That's 5% of the people who attempted to apply. Um, 5% of the people that got an e-trans number. Oh, okay. So, and it, because their survey mm-hmm. that they had, you couldn't fill out. Like, it had a question in the survey and you couldn't continue on without an e-trans number to some extent. So, their right. survey only has people that got a response back. And, and I'm curious about that because that's like a data point, one point in time. And maybe I'm annoyed that I haven't got my money yet. I go to this site, I fill out the survey and, you know, it's basically prejudice toward people who haven't gotten the money yet. Because if you got the money, you're happy. Why are you going online looking for this thing, right? So, that's true. I I would take that with a grain of salt. 5% seems like really low to me. Um, There are two other data points that I saw. And and one is uh, data from Chase. So, on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, Marco Rubio tweeted out, that Chase had said that they had distributed. Uh, let me see where that is. I, I lost it, so I, I don't want to quote the wrong number. So I'm going to find it. Okay. Give me a minute. So while you're searching for that, Blake, I've been uh, tweeting on top of Marco Rubio all week. I actually asked him to come on the podcast, but to no avail. He did not respond to those tweets. <laughs> and then I also had another run-in with a politician. So AOC, the representative from New York City, she had a webinar on PPP and the uh, emergency loan. And I attended her webinar and I was the only person whose questions did not get asked during her webinar. And did it not, did not get answered? Did not get answered. Yes. Yeah. So well, the politicians, uh, nobody yeah. likes the media, David. Nobody likes the media. I do have to commend <laughs> though, Marco Rubio for all the politicians that are out there. Like he's actually somewhat trying to communicate a little bit of what's going on and acknowledging the trouble with the program. Right. Okay, so I have that number. Okay. So, he said on the 14th that Chase had processed 300,000 PPP loans for $36 billion and had dispersed $9.3 billion. So, if you do the math on that, $9.3 billion divided by $36 billion, and that is 25-26%. 
So that would have been on, on Wednesday. And then my other data point is this little survey that we did, that you did on Twitter, David, where you asked accountants, hey, how many loans have you applied for? How many have gotten an e-trans number? And how many have gotten funded? And so you put that all in a spreadsheet. We got quite a few responses to that, right? Yeah. And what drove that is, I mean, obviously, we're talking to accountants and bookkeepers. And this is what drove our initial skepticism about the numbers coming out on day one is that we couldn't reconcile them with what we were hearing from accountants and bookkeepers. Oh, yeah. And this is the crazy thing. It took us almost two weeks to figure this out. And it was thanks to Marco Rubio. The SBA does not have a way in their system to track what loans have actually been dispersed. There's no official government mechanism to see here is the total amount that has made it into small business bank accounts. There's no way to measure the success. And they, they aren't requiring lenders to report no. it back up either. So, so the, they don't require lenders to report it back. So the only thing we can do is extrapolate and say, okay, the lenders, once the loan is approved, have 10 days to disperse the funds. So worst case scenario, right? we know this didn't happen, but worst case is that as of yesterday, all the money has 10 days more to get dispersed. And I'm going to guess that is, I don't know if that's business days or calendar days or what, but- you know, just put this in perspective. This program is three weeks old. So three weeks ago, the CARES Act passed and this program was in there and it's taken three weeks to get to this point. And we know from our survey that we did of accountants that let's pull up this spreadsheet here that you made. Uh, you want to do the numbers? Yeah. So we had about th- we had 33 people respond on Twitter. So it's not like some super official thing, but I left it open to uh, accountants and bookkeepers just to say like, hey, how many clients have you had that applied? For loans, how many got e-trans numbers, and how many had cash actually hit their bank account? And uh, it's a response. So it's uh, 703 applied, 187 got e-trans, and 68 had cash hit their bank account. So that's 703 loans total across 33 accountants slash bookkeepers applying, you know, helping their clients apply. So 187 of those got e-trans numbers. That's 27% of the applications got approved. And then of the applications that got approved, 68 got money in the bank. And this is basically as of Thursday, maybe some came in today. And so 68% or 68 of 187 is 36%. So I don't know what you were thinking might happen this week, but I think on Friday of last week, it was about 5%. Of the of the approved loans had gotten paid out, and now we're at thirty six percent. I mean, this is taking forever, and I think it's truly being reflected in the unemployment numbers. I mean, the whole point of the Paycheck Protection Program was to protect people's paychecks, to help small businesses to keep paying employees so they don't have to go on unemployment. Right, and the unemployment numbers last week were another three million, three point three. This week it was five point two, and I honestly like. I think it's probably going to hit six next week and six the week after that. Like, there's no sign. If you really think and work, you can talk about extrapolating numbers. Work the other direction. So the accountants are telling us 187, right? Only 26 percent of people that applied even got an e-trans number. So work backwards from that, right? Yeah. That's four point three times. So. If the reported loans is 1.6 million, at least 7 million people, small businesses applied. Oh, and I guarantee you that it's going to be more than that, right? Because there's tons of folks who didn't use an accountant to apply, right? They're not represented yep. in this. And I, I think accountants, given their 
relationships with banks. A lot of accountants have relationships with lenders. And one of the things they do is help people get loans. So that 26, 27% success rate is probably really high compared to most businesses that don't have an advisor. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was, well, we can just look at the total number of small businesses. Oh, and one thing I want to add before we go into that is like the reason this program is not working, if you ask me, is here we are with 33% of the, or about a little more than a third of the 350 billion has been paid out. And we are three weeks after the CARES Act was passed, which was at the very end of March. And we, well, not the very end, but like last week of March, right? And this whole coronavirus thing that shut down the economy started in mid-March. So we're a full month from when small businesses started feeling the impact at most of them. And most small businesses don't have more than two weeks of cash on hand. And I guarantee you that almost all of them have less than 30 days. To your point. Yeah, I think I, I, I tweeted that weeks ago. I think the average small business has about 27 days of cash and restaurants are at four, have 14. Right. And so, yes, they are now out of cash. And any of them that were holding on to some hope, like, hey, I'm going to – because this loan was made out like, the, oh, it's just forgivable money. You're just going to get it. And even the emergency loan, the rules changed on that. Mm-hmm. You know, after people apply, like it's, it, well, the, we're not even talking about money's the, not getting it out there. I know we're not yeah. even talking about the EIDL. Like apparently, no. nobody has seen money from that. Uh, people have seen the upfront, like up to ten thousand advance part, but the actual loan, it, we don't have no clue what is going on with that. It's been eclipsed by the PPP, and you know, people have lost hope. So where I wanted to go with this was now to think about. Okay, the money has been used, $350 billion. So how much more money do we need to actually make a dent? Part of me thinks that it's a little too late anyway because the businesses that are most impacted have already furloughed or laid off their workers. I mean, obviously, hospitality, restaurants, like what are they going to do? Uh, hire people back and put them back on payroll. I saw people suggesting that that was the best course of action on Twitter. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm an employer, that makes no sense. Because I don't want to take my employees off of the employment so they, then they get you know, I put them back on payroll, I pay them for eight weeks, and then they have to go back in line for unemployment. It doesn't really make sense. And I mean, that's half the point of this too, was the, hey, keep your employees on your payroll so that when everything gets opened back up in the economy, you don't have to do this game of trying to rehire your talent. But it's just not happening. And then I've heard, um, so you you understand about the unemployment, everybody's getting an extra $600 a week, right? Right. So a lot of people are making potentially more money on unemployment than they were as employees. I think it's. I think in the state of Arizona, like average unemployment is like two hundred forty dollars a week. Mm-hmm. So now you add on six hundred dollars a week, like it's significant. Right. And and so now what's happening is there's some employers that are paying employees minimum wage, and those employees are like, screw it, I'll just stay on unemployment. I can stay on this till July thirty first, and I'm getting tw- easily twenty four hundred bucks a month. Yep. And it's so so now so so some good thing over here that's somewhat successful, even though I. Th- think there's problems and not enough people can even get through to apply for unemployment. So over here, like people are getting the money and that's possibly causing more pain for a small business owner over here. <laughs> when that maybe did get their PP loan, they can't hire their employees back. Right. So uh, I have a interview I want to play for you that is um, a business owner talking about why he is going to not use the PPP money to pay his employees. This is really interesting. And uh, when I shared this out on Twitter, it ignited a firestorm. Some people were furious that this guy would think this way. Some people said it made sense and they're advising their clients to potentially do the same thing. So uh, do you mind taking a quick listen to this? 
Perfect, because I have yet to hear it. I did not see this tweet. So this is perfect. Get my raw reaction. Restaurants don't typically have a ton of working capital sitting around. They're month-to-month businesses. So this capital is going to carry us through our grand reopening, for lack of a better term. And if we want to do this smartly, we have to wait till people are comfortable from this medical crisis to sit shoulder to shoulder in our restaurants or in Broadway theaters or movie theaters. And until that time, it would be, in my opinion, wasted money to start spending it. We have to wait till we have a very clear pathway to success. So so let me understand this. The money that you received from the taxpayers or, or backed by the taxpayers uh, is not reaching the workers. Not yet. It will reach the workers when we right now, by law, Tyler, we can't open today. I wish we could. And if we did open today and only did 70 percent of our revenue or 60 percent or 50 percent, that money would basically evaporate in a matter of two and a half months because that's the calculation for the PPP loan. It's two and a half times your monthly payroll. So if we if we start to use so it too soon, what the purpose? Sorry, Tyler, but the purpose of the loan is to get small business back on their feet, not for two months, but for the rest of our 70 years. So that's what we're hoping to accomplish here. That was Alan Rosen, the owner of Junior's Cheesecake, which is a famous uh, New York restaurant, 600 employees. He could use the money to bring back his employees off unemployment, pay them for eight weeks. He's not going to do that. He's going to hold on to it. So I want to understand his timeline. So he applied, basically got approved and got cash in his bank five days later for money he may not even use for... 12 weeks from now. Yeah, he's going to, I mean, he has six months before he even has to start making payments on it. So he's going to hold that capital for his grand reopening, which makes sense, right? But that's not what the program was intended to do. It's called the Paycheck Protection Program. Well, and this is why I saw Marco Rubio talking about how the hotel industry doesn't get it. Like the hotels have gotten rid of 100% of their staffs. You don't get this money because you have no employees to pay. Like if you like, that's the whole point of this. But but the way the program is structured, you can apply for it. You can hold on to the cash, and you don't get forgiveness if you do that. But a lot of business owners are saying, "Well, I'd rather have a one percent loan so that I have something that I can use to restart my business when all this goes again." And they could have designed the program so that you couldn't do this, but they didn't. Maybe this was an unintended, unintended consequence. But I think a lot of businesses are going to do this. So. The money is, we barely have information on how much of this is actually getting into small business bank accounts. We have even less information on how much is actually getting into employee paychecks. I feel like every layer that we go through is reducing the amount that actually gets to the employees. There's the banks. Well, first there's the SBA, there's the banks, and there's the SMBs, and then there's finally the paychecks. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe this will help, you know, uh, this business owner survive and the restaurant can open up again, but I don't think that was what this was supposed to do. That wasn't the intent. Yeah, that's that's uh, that is one example. Um, I have some more numbers just to put everything in context. I noticed uh, about you know how many businesses are getting these loans. I'm wondering if this is an indication of how many people may or may not have. Them. So you, we've talked about some of these apps. There's an article about how finance apps their usage is spiking because of the pandemic. And so we've talked about these apps in the past, this like apps like Earnin, these apps where you can basically get your paycheck two days early. Mm-hmm. 
and um, you basically leave a tip. Well, these apps, the uh, people using these apps, it's jumped now 35%. So I think people are using it to get what you know possibly could be their last paycheck before the paycheck ever actually gets deposited in their bank to get some money early. Oh. Like because they, they have no confidence they're ever going to see a paycheck again. So they're using these apps to try to get a paycheck. Right. It's basically a free one, right? A free paycheck. Yeah. They're using these tech companies to get that. So, so 1.6 million loans have been approved. That was the number you had, right? Same. That's the number I got. That's the final number from the slide deck. Yep. Okay. So 1.6 million loans. How many small businesses are there in this country? Do you know off the top of your head? And I've seen there's 25 or people said there's 30 million businesses. And I'd say probably you take it down to 25 million small businesses. So actually it's 30 million small businesses. That 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 30 million number, that is all small businesses. All small business. Okay. Yeah. Which is like 99% of, of the businesses in the country are small ones. So, uh, you know, there's just like a few thousand giant corporations. Um, so those businesses employ, you know, about half the people in this country, uh, a little less than half. And so 1.6 million out of 30 million is 5%. So 5% of small businesses uh, got approved for loans. And fewer than that, of course, you know, a fraction of that actually got the money so far. But let's assume that the rest of the money comes next week. So we have funded 5% of the small businesses in this country to some extent you know, for the next eight weeks for their payroll. Some data came out of the SBA on average loan size and uh, the different tiers, you know, how many loans there were in different uh, loan size buckets. So the average loan was, and now, and I'm not necessarily looking at the latest data because this is a report that came out through April 13th. I got the slide deck here so I could repeat the numbers if you're interested. If you talk about the bucket, I can give you the number. Okay. So, there are 1.6 million loans total. What was the average amount of the loan? The overall average size was 206,000. 206,000. Okay. So, do you know what you know annual payroll that converts to? Um, yeah, I have that. It's uh, 1.3 million about. Okay. So, 1.3 million is the uh, uh, you know annual payroll. So, that would be, let's say... You know, your employees on average make about $50,000 a year because that's the average annual salary in this country is about a little less than 50. So that means that these uh, companies have 26, 25, 26 employees. Now, that's the average. Um, the average small business has a lot fewer employees. Um, 80% of small businesses have uh, 10 employees or less, and 90% of small businesses have fewer than 20 employees. So this average loan size is for a business with more than you know, 20 employees. So like 10% of businesses. So I, what I'm kind of seeing in these numbers is that the businesses that got these loans tend to be on the larger side of the small business spectrum, which kind of makes sense. Right. We saw that on within hours because I think when we started looking at these numbers way back on the that day on April third, the average loan size then was three hundred seventy three thousand dollars. So that right. it has it has come down over time, right? But yep. and and the, so the latest numbers from the SBA so loans that are under one hundred fifty thousand dollars they gave out one point two million of those. But of the total bucket of money, that's only seventeen percent of the bucket. How much of the bucket? 
uh, 17% of the bucket went to 1.2 million small businesses. Right. The ones that are basically fewer than 10 employees. So Yeah, like 150K. Yeah, most size. Right. So... This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by SmartBooks Genie. SmartBooks Genie was born out of the struggles experienced by Calvin Wilder as he grew his firm SmartBooks from zero to 40 people in eight years. Calvin has been using Genie to run SmartBooks for the last 18 months, and now he's making Genie available to all accounting and bookkeeping firms to power their client accounting services. SmartBooks Genie layers on top of QuickBooks Online to allow you to centralize your firm's workflows manage the monthly close, automatically prepare client reports, and complete time-consuming manual processes that you're currently doing in spreadsheets or other isolated systems. By centralizing client management to get core work done accurately and on time, SmartBooks Genie will stay on top of the deadlines and scope of service that you're delivering to clients so you keep your client engagements profitable. To learn more about SmartBooks Genie and take advantage of its early adopter program offering 50% off monthly subscription fees, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash genie. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash G-E-N-I-E. SmartBooks Genie grants your wish for a streamlined practice. Here you have less than 20% of the money going to 80% of the businesses. And the top 20% of the businesses collected 80% of the money. It's flipped. When the, you know, and, and this makes sense because the uh, corporations got a weak head start. They got to apply two weeks ago, right? On April 3rd. And they made all the sole proprietors, anyone without a corporate entity, had to wait until last Friday. By that time, most of the money was already spoken for. Well, yeah. So, so the way that this program was set up, it was, you know, designed to give preference to larger small businesses. Well, I agree. As far as the way it was designed, it was already set up to where sole proprietors and subcontractor level people couldn't even apply for a week. They already had a they were a week behind just even starting. But with the the not part of the the design that happened, and, and there's uh, stories from accountants about their own clients who are like, "Yeah, I have two clients that got their loan approved in five days." Well, then you find out, oh yeah, it's because it was eight hundred thousand dollars. The the bigger loans all got pushed through faster by the banks. Because the banks wanted to deal with the, the the financial risk is different for the bank, and they they push the bigger loans through. You know, it's easier, right? You've already got all their information. You know who they are, so not only is it less risky, but there's less paperwork to do. And this is something that the the designers of this program totally were okay with: is that banks got to choose who they gave the loans to first, and of course, the banks are going to choose their biggest, their best customers. And you also have data that shows that. If you were with a community bank and you had a personal banking relationship, then you were much, much, much more likely to get a loan. Yeah. So, they, they definitely have a lot of data on that. They, um, the COVID loan tracker has data that shows that. Even the PPP has said the amount of community banks and lenders that have, uh, did that loan out. I think Marco Rubio just tweeted this out. So, um, Well, he argued with it. Yeah. So, the, the, like 5,000 lenders. Yeah. Uh, 5,000 different lenders and none of them loan more than 5% of the total. And 60% of the lenders are under $10 billion in assets. So, in general, it's a lot smaller banks were doing a lot of these loans, right? Yeah. And I, I said earlier how I don't think the COVID loan tracker data in a lot of cases is valid because it's not a um, like statistical, statistically representative survey since the people coming tend, are probably going to be the people who didn't get money. But 
they do have a stat on here that I think is legit. And it's of the people who did receive money, it asked them, did you have a pre-existing report lending relationship? And over 80% of people who got PPP money had an existing, a pre-existing lending relationship. If you did not have a relationship with a bank already, you had a less than 20% chance of getting a PPP loan. Yeah. So and I think that, that definitely gives an advantage to a successful, established small business that's big enough where they get to have that personal banking relationship. And I think that that comes out in the state data. I know that um, a couple of people have tweeted and sent me that um, Bloomberg has some maps where they've mapped out each state and the percentages of loans that they had approved in those states. And some people are even loosely implying that, oh, look, it's the Trump states. But I don't think – I honestly truly believe based on my experience in the Midwest, this has nothing to do with these being Trump states. What it is, is in these states, they have much smaller banks. You have farmers. Everybody knows each other. They A lot of the, a lot of the businesses have already had established loans with these smaller banks. It's all these mid-regional banks. Right. And, yeah. that's, and so, they, they were just able to handle – the volume of what they had to handle was much lower and they had – relationships with these people and they were able to process these loans much more efficiently than yeah. California, which only had 24% because in general, it's all people were going to the Wells Fargo's, the Bank of America's, the Chase's, the big banks probably, and the relationships yeah, yeah. weren't there. Well, and if you had a, per, a personal banking relationship, like let's say you're a high net worth individual or you're an important person like uh, Larry Kudlow's wife, the Donald Trump's senior economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, talked to Bloomberg about how his wife, who's a self-employed painter, was able to walk over to their local bank at their house in Connecticut and fill out a one-page form and get the loan. And it was super easy, he said. And to him, that represents the experience of everyone. And that's because, you know, for one thing, she's the wife of a high-ranking White House official. And uh, two, you know, they're they're wealthy, right? They have three homes. They are millionaires. And so they have a personal banker who's going to guide them through this thing and make sure that they get taken care of. If you're just some random business customer at Bank of America or Wells Fargo or Chase, you're screwed. I, I think virtually none of the people who got, uh, I mean, it's not, tr- I don't know if that's a very small percentage of people who got PPP loans bank at the big banks, right? Like, it seems like it to me. I don't have exact data on that, but... I fall into the the group of people that applied, got nothing. I So, the very first day I bank with um, BBVA, mm-hmm. they sent me an email. I think we talked about this last week loosely. Like They sent me an email. The very first day, I was like, hey, all right, it's going to be ready tomorrow. Then I went to go to it. I got the uh, the button. I got or I filled out my email address. I got the email the next day. I clicked the button. It took me to a page, said start your application. Then it had a 404 error and just died out. So that day, I went and looked you know, for sites and everybody's pages were down. This is that Saturday morning, right? And then I found a lender, a small local lender here in Tucson to apply. So I applied. I never got a confirmation. I never got an e-trans number. I got nothing. And so I stalked them on Facebook. And so, this is my loan experience. I'll read you the reply. At least you got a reply. I think there's a lot of people who never even heard back. Well, I had to stalk them on... I had to go to LinkedIn. There was no other way. I just had to... I I bypassed the front doors to some extent. Got it. Essentially, I said, do I have an e-trans number yet? You know, how come you haven't sent just one email communication about the status? Yeah. And I was told, not yet. We are waiting for more funds to hit our account to process more applications. We are a very small company with a lending staff of five people trying to manage well over 200 applications. This type of mass lending is not what our company is built for, but we are doing our best to help customers who couldn't get their back 
who couldn't get their banks to fund the PP loan for them. And then I said, where are you getting the funds from? Because my understanding is the SBA is not distributing the funds to lenders until the PP loan amount has been quote unquote forgiven. And he said, that is correct. It's our own funds, but they're also a nonprofit. So they have to work with the city and county and other municipal organizations to get the funds. So, right. They can only lend out a, a certain multiple of capital, right? So they've got to have capital requirements. So they actually have to get money so they can loan it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so, you know, here's the here's a big problem with this whole thing. Everybody is trying to get the money. It's a $350 billion pot of money, which seems like a lot until you realize there's 30 million small businesses and everybody wants a chunk of it. And as Sabrina Parsons said on one of our episodes a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we were talking about this, if every small business in the country applied, everybody gets, you know, $12,000. So, uh, you know, big pot of money, way more businesses and, and really anyone can apply for this, which kind of seems crazy to me that there wouldn't be an effort to make this maybe more targeted toward businesses that are actually hurt by COVID-19. I mean, you can make the argument that every business is hurt, but the way this program is set up, you can get this money, uh, like even if your business is doing well. And I'll tell you why. Okay. So here, here I'm looking at the treasury regulations and here's what you have to certify to, to apply for this money. As part of your application, you need to certify in good faith that current economic uncertainty makes the loan necessary to support your ongoing operations and that the funds will be used to retain workers and maintain payroll or to make mortgage lease and utility payments. Well, everybody has either payroll or rent slash mortgage slash utilities. So that's everybody in the country. And then current economic uncertainty makes the loan necessary to support your ongoing operations. I mean, every business in the country is going through economic uncertainty, right? I mean, uncertainty doesn't necessarily even mean something bad. So like everybody is allowed to get this money. Like, I can't believe they didn't make it a little more targeted. The, the, I would say argue the same thing is on the other side on the CARES Act for unemployment. There's like 12 reasons and all it takes is like somebody in your house had to stay home because the kids had to stay home. Like you're, like you're basically, if, 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 if your kid is out of school, you can apply for unemployment. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's that broad, like it, so they, they so these programs have been made very broad, but the execution and the funding and even the uh, if you really look at the loan deck or the the SBA deck about the loan, they don't yeah. have they don't say who these lenders are, but they have fifteen lenders listed by numbers, right? And fourteen of them are all two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. Only one lender did forty. They did forty thousand loans over an average loan amount for seventy two thousand. Everybody else focused on big businesses, big loans. And uh, I bet you that among even the small loan amounts, there's a lot of high net worth individuals who have S corporations who you know are self employed but make a lot of money who went and got these loans because why wouldn't you? It's free money. You can use it to pay yourself or you can use it to pay your rent. And there's no need based. Uh, methodology of assigning who gets these loans and it's first come first serve and the people with the connections get it first this really infuriates me billions of dollars are going to people who don't necessarily need it and a lot of people who really really need the money are left out in the cold and now we're being asked to spend another 250 billion dollars to do what and so i looked at the numbers what will another 250 billion dollars that you know you and i are going to have to pay back someday david what is that going to get us well 
based on the data from the 13th, uh, where we were at about 250 billion in funded funding. So uh, 250 billion, if everything stays the same, right, the same mix of people apply, then that'll get us another 1 million loans. So we're going to go from 1.6 million to 2.6 million, which is still less than 10% of all the small businesses in this country. And a lot of those businesses in that 10% are not the 10% that are super impacted by this crisis. It's just people who wanted free money. I'm curious if there's ever going to be any fallout from this. Like, do we ever get to know who got this money? I I was seeing stories on Bloomberg about, you know, there's head funds that have applied for this money. People who make millions, tens of millions of dollars a year and have billions of assets, you know, are applying for this money. I I think it's going to take a decade for people to process what's going on, not just with the PPP, but I mean, even the data you know about people getting COVID and now that have you, have you seen some of the problems the stimulus payments are having? Oh God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, so I so the IRS came out with that tool to track your stimulus payment. Yes, I don't think I qualify, but for you know just for kicks, I went to see if I'd get the note that I don't qualify, and of course I got an error message that like my social security number and you know the stuff that I know is absolutely correct doesn't match anything in their system. So. <laughs> Apparently, like a lot of people had that same experience, right? And then not only does the the site have some issues, there's glitches, but um, there are actually some reporting coming out now that if you used H&R Block or TurboTax, so even though like when I file on TurboTax and I'm gonna, I have to, I have to pay, so I put my bank account number in so they can ACH that or get my refund. Apparently, that if if it's in TurboTax, the IRS is not storing that. So right, and this is because of people who um, had their TurboTax acted as an intermediary, right? So that's why the IRS doesn't have their uh, checking info. Yeah. So if you're one of the people that have used TurboTax, you probably don't have the deposit yet. And then as we talked about before, it might take until August before people get their checks. The paper checks. Because the IRS can only print, yeah, they can only print 5 million a week. <laughs> and then, and then you know, the for all the bad service that the banks were giving, by the time the tech companies got involved... You know, the PayPal's, the Cabbages, and Tuit became a PPP lender. Oh, yeah. It was done. They, they basically weren't, they, they basically were processing, attempted to process loans for a day and a half, and it was done. Everything was done. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I feel bad for all the developers that, you know, spent all that time trying to get this thing up and running, and then the funds are out. Uh, and, 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 I, and if I had to guess, when they do put through any more money, it's going to be different rules. There's just no way it's exact. There, there's no way it just gets funded exactly the same. It's going to be different rules. Well, I would hope so. Like I would hope that Congress would realize that you know the 24 million small businesses that don't have any employees, where it's really just a sole proprietor, they had almost no shot at getting this money. And like, what about them? They don't qualify. I don't know if they qualify for unemployment in every state. Like. It's harder to get unemployment when you're self-employed, I know. One thing that started to get me a little concerned um, and thinking kind of going forward, right, is mm-hmm. the verbiage that was used in tweets and all these celebratory uh, PPP was a win April 3rd was used the, – the word forgivable was just used, forgivable loans. And now you're starting to see more and more and more the words potentially forgivable loans being used (laughs) in the media. And it's really kind of scary because it's starting to make me wonder, okay, are they going to change the rules just like they changed the rules on the emergency from 10K to 1K per employee? Are they going to change the rules of 
what people have to do to qualify to get this forgiven. And then the scary thing is, okay, now eight weeks from now, when you use this money and you have to justify it, you have to go back to your bank. Like who's going to be processing these audits? Like who's going to be signing off that this money was used in the proper way to get it forgiven? Like are we setting ourselves up for another nightmare of insanity like six weeks from now? If the SBA was handling just the processing of the loans and that was that was a one-page loan basically and now you're going to get who knows how many reports to audit people? Yeah, the SBA application was like I don't know what, like less than 10 pieces of information, I feel like. And so now you've got to prove that you deserve loan forgiveness. How long is that going to take the SBA to process? So yeah, there'd probably be, it's probably be a mess, right? Where small business owner comes back with the paperwork and well, first of all, it's a mess for the accountants who then have to like prep all this stuff for their clients. So now I got to prove that I get forgiveness. I got to fill out another form, attach a bunch of paperwork, send it to the bank, Bank has to process, you know, all the banks have to process 1.6 million of these applications for loan forgiveness. They got to send it to the SBA, who's then got to process it and send back the forgiveness. And, <laughs> we thought this was a mess. And then kind of thinking yeah. about, so we we got the tax deadline extended, right? So accountable keepers oh, have some mobile room. But then basically that time got filled up with PPP loans. Right. And so now, now it's out of money. So it's funny, like April 17th, accountants today are taking a breath. I've noticed online people are taking a breath because they can't do anything for their clients right now today. Right. But if you start counting out right. eight weeks from now, guess what else is going on eight weeks from now? Uh, the tax deadline. The new deadline is July it? 15th. It's not exactly <laughs> it, but it's very, it's four weeks within it. So, so when, so basically right. when this money hits and people are going to have to start filling out their forgiveness paperwork and their forgiveness reports, we are going to be the heat of tax deadline season. Well, and making it worse, a bunch of firms are laying people off. I don't know if you've been following this, but the last time we talked about it, or we skipped a week talking about this because we did the interview with the AICPA folks. Um, not a lot of firms had laid people off, but now I'm seeing a bunch of them. Armanino, my old firm, laid off 8% of their workforce. Uh, Baker Tilly did layoffs. Burden did layoffs. We had Citroen Cooperman. 5 to 10% of their workforce was laid off. Crow did layoffs. A lot of these, you know, mid-sized firms. They probably didn't get their PPP loan. So, they, they can't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, they probably don't qualify, right? Well, and there's there's a whole new loan thing for us to talk about, David, which is the uh, – we don't get a break either. We get the Main Street Lending Program, which is the one for businesses with, I think, more than 500 employees, like yeah. the midsize or the larger business. So, that's all like getting getting going now. Yeah. So, speaking of layoffs, I do not want to forget to do the, uh, mention this. So, I talked two weeks ago about Lime and I said the scooter company Lime had their layoffs. I screwed yeah, up yeah. and I got it confused. The, it was actually the other scooter company called Bird. Oh. And I, so, so, so the story was correct. They laid off 400 people off really in a bad way through a Zoom, but it was not. So I'll, I'll get the correct right. article in. I, I just, these, these companies start to sound the same after a while. So I do apologize. So like a uh, correction on that. Well, they are copycats yeah. of each other, I think. I think you deserve. I just think you deserve a little forgiveness. And then to swing back, which you're, to kind of off of you and the 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 firms laying people off. I was listening to the Big Four podcast, the Big Four Firms podcast. I think it's called. And he had tips on how you can recognize you're going to get laid off. And one of the things that was in there, I just was like, it's still. I've still been thinking about it. Like two days later, like if your billable hours go down, you're probably a target to be laid off. You'd agree. Yeah. So what they do is. They have the HR department come meet with you a lot, so you have even less billable hours. <laughs> the, HR, the, the HR department will like 
schedule meetings with you. How's it going, Blake? Right. And then you're losing billable hours. So you're even higher odds. It. They, they, they almost like um, it's an extra. So if you start getting emails or meeting requests from HR people, you're probably going to get laid off because they're going to eat up your billable time. Oh, man. So it's, uh, <sighs> yeah, we're, we're in there. But I do have a non-COVID, a non-PPP, a non-government stimulus story. If you want to jump into something other than that this week. Let's just and I've been let's just do that because I've been holding this for two weeks. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about that because all I had this week that I really wanted to talk about was coronavirus related stuff. So let's let's hear something else. So this is um in the plaid blog. So Microsoft announces Microsoft Money is now gonna live in Microsoft Excel, but it's powered by Plaid. So so basically to summarize this. It is bank feeds in Excel. This is super cool. And for those lovers of Google Sheets, I actually just coincidentally the same week got a Facebook ad for an app called Tiller, Tiller Money. And it's Google Sheets, bank feeds for Google Sheets, essentially. How do you spell that? Uh, Tiller. It's T-I-L-L-E-R-H-Q.com. T-I-L-L-E-R-H-Q.com. So I can have bank feeds go into my... I mean, basically, uh, they're, sheets. they're a, yeah, they're a personal finance app of some type. But once that data is in your Google Sheet, like you can do whatever you want, right? And this re- makes me rewind. Do you remember the Bot Keeper demo way back in the day? <laughs> yeah, right. And a, l- a lot of their Bot Keepers thing was like, no, the bank feeds suck in QuickBooks and Zero, right? We get the bank feeds and we do whatever we want to them, and then we move that data to QuickBooks and Zero. Right. And I'm thinking, wow, now that you can drop bank feeds and shove data from the bank feed into Excel, bank feed into Google Sheets, now you can connect the Google Sheet through Zapier to QuickBooks and Zero. You could do some really interesting stuff as an accountant and bookkeeper um, for your for your clients. Yeah, that, this is really cool. I might- That's it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost speechless about it because it's so exciting of where the imagination can go. Yeah, this Tiller Money thing looks super cool. I'm a big Google Sheets fan, and it's fifty nine dollars a year. So, I, I think I might just sign up to try it uh, if I can find some time in my schedule. Yeah, because you could create. I mean, well, thanks for sharing that. All those macros you can make. Just think about all the macros you could do in Excel. Yeah, and then get the data just like you want it, and then boom, it shoves it off to the accounting system. It's it, the possibilities here are very, very interesting on, on where that where that heads. So. There's only really one other thing I want to talk about, and it is like related to the whole current economic situation we're in. It's a little broader than just you know the PPP stuff. Yeah, and I just got to get it. I just got to get it off my chest because I try to talk to my family about this, and they're like, <laughs> they don't want to think about it, right? So you're my outlet, David. Uh, you and our listeners. So like my big worry right now, big picture, is we have these twelve hundred dollar stimulus payments coming in for some people this week, maybe in the next few weeks in April, 1200 bucks per person. And then we've got, you know, the PPP money, which, you know, I think kind of everything we talked about makes the argument that, uh, is it really going to have that big an impact on stopping people from getting laid off and going on unemployment, all that stuff. And then the, we didn't even talk about this, but all the state unemployment offices are completely overwhelmed, right? I mean, people are calling nonstop all day long, every day, and they can't get through. They can't even get on unemployment. So they're not getting that money. And you know, we don't know how many millions of people are stuck trying to get it 
Still. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't even been able to look at that data, right? But I'm sure right. just like people can't, they've applied for loans, they've heard nothing. There's people probably in queues just waiting for a response from a state unemployment office. So, my worry is that, you know, we're going to get to May 1st and just a ton of people and businesses are not going to make their rent or mortgage payments. And then what happens to the economy if all of a sudden renters aren't paying rent and people aren't paying their mortgages. Do we get into another housing crisis at that point? Do do we somehow do like rent forgiveness? That can't really happen on a national level. I can't see that happening. Like what, a, what happens? There's a Planet Money or Odd Lots podcast or Planet Money Indicator, one of those three podcasts, and I'll have to find it and track this down. They totally address this and how it works its way all the way up and who winds up eating it. So, yeah, who does? Like, if we did, like, mortgage forgiveness or rent forgiveness, like, uh, at a a large scale, like, it's the investors, right? In the end, it's, like, all of our pension funds and 401ks, right? Uh, Or foreign countries. Foreign countries. Well, and that's why everybody might be okay with it. Yeah. (laughs) It's very, very interesting. So, I'll find that podcast and get that in the show notes. Um, I I think that answers a lot. That would be great. Uh, but, you know, the problem is like Congress is still on break and they're not coming back anytime soon. So, like, th- this isn't going to get solved by May. So, I feel like in May we're going to be talking a lot about that because some scary numbers will come out. I mean, I don't want to end on downer either. But, you know, they've talked about like for the COVID deaths and like, hey, the, 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 those three weeks in April are going to be really bad. I feel like the small business numbers and the bus- the, the economy numbers – the next four weeks are going to be really bad. Yeah, they lag. Like we, we, have, we have not seen bad numbers yet. Right. We have not even seen them yet. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Because they, they lag scary. behind all the leading indicators of, of deaths, COVID deaths. And I just want to like lead, leave with one calculation. Like what if we spent our money maybe a little more wisely? Because I don't think this, this PPP program is, is all that great. Listeners, you tell me, but <laughs> these numbers don't sound good. And, and so like what else could we have done with the – the $2 trillion. So let me just do a little math for you, David, right now, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So uh, let's say, let's say there's, you know, there's what, like 330 million people in this country. I could be off by a 10 or something million, but it's about that much, right? 330 million. Let's say that a hundred million of them are really impacted by this, which, you know, that would kind of make sense. That'd be like 30% uh, or, you know, between 20 and 30% losing their jobs, right? Not being able to work, all that stuff, right? Which that would be Great Depression level kind of unemployment, which is what could really happen here, right? So let's say it's 100 million. So if we wanted to cover them for the duration of this crisis, what if we just gave each of those 100 million people $2,000 a month? So that's, you know, 100 million times 2,000 is uh, 200 billion, right? So $200 billion a month to give all those people enough to get by. So basically for the cost of the... $2 trillion program, the CARES Act, we could give all those people $2,000 a month for 10 months. Wouldn't that... And I think I've seen some of this, like, uh, you're, like that's a proposal that Democrats might be running up the, the flag right now is they want to just give everybody $2,000 a month. I mean, it just kind of seems, you know, I'm a Republican, I'm not Democrat, but like that policy, that idea, which I think is going to go nowhere, just makes a lot more sense to me than convoluted loans and bailouts and just like give the money to the people who really need it to pay their rent and buy food kind of makes sense to me. Um, I mean, even if you didn't spend the whole 2 trillion, what if you just spent half of it? That would get you for, you know, five months. 
Well, that's what they thought they were doing, right? Like, hey, it's $600 extra a week for unemployment, people on employment. We're doing the paycheck protection so people keep getting that. But it's not – the problem is it's just not making it to the people fast enough. And it's like how – like like you might but – if, but if you came out and said, hey, here's the deal. Everybody for six months or the rest of 2020, you're going to get $2,000 a month showing up every month. That would just put everybody at ease, right? right? Just the knowing about it would put everybody at ease. And the problem is right now, it's like, hey, here's a bucket of $350 billion elbows and assholes trying to get it like it's it's just fight over it like we're 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 off a feed truck yeah. here it's crazy and you're right like some way to smooth this out and give people a peace of mind when when right now we don't even know when peace of mind when we get to go back to work is right and i don't know like if there's a better way to distribute that money um i don't think the banks were a good idea for doing it maybe there's you know <laughs> a better way to to get it out to people if we did something like that i, d- I do think that like some of the tech companies would be able to do it a lot better Amazon. You just you go to Amazon. It's just in your account. <laughs> you just shows up. It just shows up as your uh, Amazon gift card. That would be funny. Yeah. They do, yeah. You just you specify your apps. Like, yeah, I would like to have some of it go to my Starbucks account, some of it go to my Amazon account, some of it go to my PayPal account, and then you just they, they just push it down through that way. But I even think all of that's pushed eventually on the back end through the banks and rails that the banks own. So, well, who knows how we'll get there. That's it for me this week, David. I think I, I sound like a socialist, but I swear I'm not. I think we're going to take a good weekend off. I mean, all our listeners, like, I, I, actually, I, it's funny. I can see it in our show download numbers. You can see where people, those three weeks before the tax deadline was extended, our show numbers started to go down. Then they extended the tax deadline and all our downloads went up for that week because accountants and bookkeepers had breath, right? They could t- take a breather. And then PPP dropped and our download numbers were reflected in that. And so, I, must, I my bet is like we're going to have a lot of listeners this weekend because accounts and bookkeepers have a little breathing room until God knows what next legislation comes down the pipe. <sighs> Maybe something new will crop up. Until next week, David, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, you can track me down on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm at David Leary. Uh, and one other reminder, um, podchaser.com is doing a, uh, a donation to – Meals on Wheels to help, you know, feed elderly that right now are stuck at their houses. They can't go to grocery stores, right? And if you write a review of the Cloud Accounting Podcast and Blake and I reply to the review, they donate money 2x more if we reply to your review. So, if you want to help out a little bit, leave a review on Podchase. Oh, yeah. And we got a voicemail, David. Oh, yeah. So, let's listen to to that. that. Here we go. You've got mail. David, I am Kristen from Texas, and I just had to vent because my situation, I feel like, is too unbelievable. I had a great accounting job, which I left on February 28th. Uh, it felt like the right time to actually start a marketing agency for accounting. The economy was good. I was financially stable, and we really don't need to go into retrospectively why uh, that was not the right move, but I am pretty sure I am also disqualified for unemployment and the small business loans. So I will be catching up on your podcast. Anywhere I should start? Thanks. Bye. Well, uh, this episode was definitely a great place to start. So thanks, Kristen, so much um, for listening. And yeah, David, do you have any recommendations, like favorite episodes? Um, I did create a list on Podchaser of our 10 best episodes of last year. So you could search for that and easily see that on Podchaser, those episodes. Um, And the phone number that she used to call in on is 
695-1040. So if you want to leave us a message and we'll take a listen, maybe even play it on the air, uh, leave 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 a message for us. What it, What is that again? 202-695-1040. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. I'm very active on Twitter these days. All the latest, uh, follow me there and uh, you'll hear it there first and then we can talk about it on the podcast. Anything else? I think that's it, but that's a good observation. Yeah, all the PPP action is on Twitter. It's not on LinkedIn. It's amazing. Uh, until next week, David, have a, have a good one. Hope you have a great weekend. You too. Bye, everybody. Time for the classifieds. If you want to learn how to make video tutorials from an expert, sign up for Hector Garcia's live webinar, How to Make Video Tutorials, so you can learn how to create content to educate your team, your clients, and your prospects. Use coupon code CAP50 for $50 off your purchase. Head over to www.hectorgarcia.com slash tutorial. Still sending spreadsheets of unclassified expenses to clients? Automate this process and get client answers instantly with ClientHub's QuickBooks Online integration. This feature was described as one that only an accountant would have come up with as it solves a real big pain point. ClientHub is a modern client portal designed for cloud accounting firms. Get started today with a free trial at clienthub.app and enter promo code CAP25 for 25% off your first three months. Are you looking to get some of the best content in the world to improve your team and your firm and some free CPA credits too? Good news. The accounting salon has turned into a virtual event called Salon V and it's open to the world. You can register for free at accountingsalon.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info, and be sure to check out our special stimulus pricing of four episodes for just $100.